Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Drax and it's Wednesday, October 17th. Time for episode 267 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. The Patriots and Bears both come into this week's game at Soldier Field following remarkably dramatic finishes last week, but with drastically different results. The Patriots blew a 24-9 lead, of course, trailed 33-30 in the fourth quarter, led 40-33, gave up a 75-yard touchdown and won thanks to Tom Brady, Gronk, and a last-second field goal from Stephen Guskowski. The Bears had a 28-21 lead against the Dolphins before giving up a 75-yard touchdown of their own to Albert Wilson that tied the game, sent it to overtime. That's when the fun began. The Bears not quite as fortunate. Former Patriots Akeem Hicks forcing a Kenyon Drake fumble at the one in overtime. Then the Bears marched down the field only to miss a 50-yard field goal and have the Dolphins win it on a last-second field goal in overtime. Wow, that's a lot. To discuss the fortunes of these two Two lost teams. I welcome Jeff Dickerson of NFL Nation reporter covering the Bears for ESPN, who can also be heard with Jonathan Hood Saturday evening, 6 to 10 on ESPN Radio. Jeff, thanks for taking time out to join me on the Patriots Beat Pod. Oh, Trag, it's my pleasure. Great to be with you. As we both know, a traveling, uh, covering on the, uh, covering an NFL team on the road, even though it's a one game trip, can be an adventure. Thanks for uh, making it back safe and sound through Nashville. Yeah, yes, I took the unusual Miami to Nashville to Chicago route, and uh, it was weird this morning uh, having breakfast at Tootsie's in the Nashville airport two days after the Bears played the Dolphins in Miami, just like I drew it up. No, I'm just kidding. It was uh, it, it, it was an adventure, but like you said, that, the Bears came on Sunday. Unbelievable. Uh, that was an adventure, too. That was a tough loss for them. That was that was a brutal one. Yeah, well, t- tell us about it. I mean, how is the psyche of the of the team? I'm going to, you know, we'll get to a little bit more on uh, Khalil Mack a little later on, but not only did they lose the, the game, but they lost arguably their best player, well, they didn't lose him. They he was dinged up. Khalil Mack suffering an ankle injury. What's the latest you can tell us about Khalil Mack? Well, you know he he went back in and he finished the game. Uh, he got hurt early in that game and he went right to the blue medical tent and they looked at him for a while. They taped him back up. It was his right ankle. He went out there. It wasn't as effective though. The, the real surprising thing tracks for the Bears too, and it, this plays into the Mack angle, is that they did not sack Brock Osweiler a single time. Wow. And the Bears going into that game against Miami were averaging four and a half sacks per game. That was number one in the NFL. And Osweiler, he's not uh, super slow back there, but I mean, he's six seven. He's a big target, and the Bears could not get to him all afternoon. So that was disappointing. But no doubt that was exasperated by Khalil Mack's ankle injury. We did talk to him after the game by his locker. Said he was going to be fine. Of course, they'll do additional follow-up testing and everything this week, but I, I think it's going to probably take an awful lot to hold him out of the Patriots game, but if he goes this weekend, as most expect, he definitely is not going to be 100%. So that's not a good 
development for the Bears by any means whatsoever. Um, and I, I think it actually matters that they're at home. Uh, he might feed off some of the early energy there, and that actually, I think, helps him as opposed to the road. Do you think there is anything to that? It, it could, yeah. I mean, it could. Um, big game for the Bears, though, and I don't know how the city is feeling about this Patriots game on Sunday. This is a real swing game for the Bears, but they're 3-2. Mm-hmm. Right. They lost the game they should have won against Miami. You could also argue that with the game against Green Bay in week one, I mean, they had a good chance to win that game. They were up big at halftime. But the point is, you're 3-2. and two. If you lose to New England, now you're 3-3. Three and three. And I think all that goodwill that was generated by the surprising 3-1 and one start, that kind of tends to evaporate. So this is a very big game uh, for the psyche of this team, no doubt. Uh, and I don't know like what the confidence level is in town, but I think that the players know that, boy, it's uh, it's going to be a very tall order. I mean, the last couple times the Bears have faced the Patriots, as you know, Trags, it has been rough. Uh, the game in the snow at Soldier Field when the game was over at halftime, and then the single worst game I've ever covered yeah. was when a Mark Trustman-led Chicago Bears team went to Foxborough, and if it wasn't for Rob Gronkowski having, quote-unquote, dehydration, I think he would have scored 10 touchdowns that day. Um, that was an embarrassment. It won't be an embarrassment this weekend, but they got to play their absolute best to win, and I think they know that. How is Chicago handling um, Matt Nagy and, and, and the uh, Matt Nagy era and the Bears? Because the, the NFC North is, a, to me, a fascinating division because the, the Vikings, you know, they beat the Cardinals, and, and they're starting to get into a bit of a rhythm. But you have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, obviously, they had another incredibly dramatic win over San Francisco Monday night. Um and you have the Bears right there, and I don't see any team really pulling away. Or do you? Does everybody in the Windy City expect the Vikings to eventually pull away and show they're the best? Or, or Rodgers, just because he's the one-man wrecking crew. I mean, if he gets on a heater, even though they're not as—I don't think their roster is as talented as Minnesota's roster is. No, I think that's dangerous. I think people, you know. <laughs> You have to give uh, some slack to Bears fans because this team has not made the playoffs since 2010. They've been dead last in their division since 2014. The John Fox era was the most boring three-year stretch of football <laughs> you'll see in any city, any city. So I think when the Bears get off to this 3-1 and one start, expectations automatically go through the roof, and now they're – now, finishing 8-8 eight eight just isn't good enough in Matt Nagy's first year. Now people think 9, 10, 11 wins, and I just don't think they're really at that point yet. Um, it takes a long time to learn this offense. It takes a long time for new players to, to gel together. I think if you, if you watch the Dolphins game, you just saw some, some play calls by Matt Nagy that were a little, I think, regrettable, a little too conservative there in overtime, maybe a little too conservative at the end of regulation. But that's what first-year head coaches do. They make mistakes. Uh, but I just don't think there's a lot of patience or tolerance for that right now in Chicago. So I think the Matt Nagy era has gotten off to a very good start. But I do know that there was a lot of second-guessing about some of those conservative play calls I mentioned before 
in that Dolphins game, and a lot of people do think that they contribute to the Bears losing that one. Certainly there's been some talk and hope, I would think, in Chicago that he'll do with the Bears what Sean McVay did with the Rams. McVay coming in, hired when he was only 30 years old, and getting them to the playoffs last year, and uh, not only getting them to the playoffs, winning division, having a home game um, that they obviously lost to the Atlanta Falcons. But do you think the Nagy-McVay comparisons hold any water right now? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if if Nagy's going to have that immediate of an impact. But I I like Nagy. I mean, I, this is you know I've covered a few head coaches now in my time on right. Bears beat for 2004, and I like the guy. I think first of all, I think it's I think it's incredibly important nowadays in the NFL to have a coach that can really connect with the players. And I think being younger sometimes helps in that regard. He's a young guy, lots of energy very personable, a lot of accountability, uh, not a big ego. And I think the locker room likes that. I really do. And I think he has a lot of creative play concepts from his time, play calling concepts from his time with Andy Reid. I think he's a very smart guy. Now, that being said, again, I think there's, there's just things that you learn as you go about your career of being a head coach. He was not a head coach at really almost any level before he got the Bears job. He was only a coordinator for a short time only called plays for five games last year in Kansas City. So there's just a lot that he, he's still learning. And I think ultimately he's gonna, it's going to turn out that he's going to be the right guy. Uh, they did a much better job of giving him uh, better talent on the roster. Um, I mean, there's some high-impact players. We talked about Khalil Mack, also Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohn. Right. Uh, Taylor Gabriel's having a good year. Trey Burton. Jordan Howard is still a holdover from the Fox era. So – um, I, I think everything's in place for this team to eventually be be pretty good and hopefully turn into a perennial playoff contender. Um, I think that's the goal. I, I don't think the Bears go from dead last to the championship game in the NFC this year. But if Nagy can get them to be a team that consistently wins 8, 9, 10 games uh, and just gets into the playoffs, boy, I, I think uh, – that would be a, a real breath of fresh air and something the city is going to welcome with open arms. Speaking with Jeff Dickerson, covering the Bears for ESPN's NFL Nation and co-host of Dickerson and Hood on ESPN Radio. Hey, Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or even a large pizza? Tired of paying for all of the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges so you actually end up paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats? Well, there's an answer. Go to O-N-E in one zero zero dot co that's one in one hundred dot co feeling lucky try it out now the novelty of one in one hundred is that there's no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets the cost to potentially score tickets with one in one hundred is a small fraction of the actual ticket price score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer your first raffle ticket is free after signing up feeling lucky try it now O N E I N the number one zero zero dot C O. That's one in one hundred dot C O. Back with Jeff Dickerson of ESPN's NFL Nation. Okay, I want to get to somebody who has had a drastic impact on this roster, Ryan Pace, the general manager who has taken a couple of big gambles, right? I'm drafting Mitchell Trubisky and making the blockbuster mm-hmm. trade for Khalil Mack. Um, tell us about Ryan Pace and how he's being uh, accepted by the Chicago Bears fan base. Oh, much better now. I, th- I think the um, 
the trap that Ryan Pace fell into when he first got the job is that he was this really young first-time GM, and he goes out and he hires John Fox. So I think right off the bat, most of the power was seated towards Fox. And not not all of the power, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. the Bears, you saw the Bears signing older players. Um, just the way things were done. Players I Fox think we, could trust. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there were some players that at one point like at one point, Eddie Royal was a good player. At one point, Antro Roll was a good player. You catch my drift, but yep. when they got to the Bears, it was it was basically over. And so, but these are guys Fox likes. This is Fox. This is his mentality. Very conservative. Very conservative on offense. And I don't think that's how Ryan Pace felt. But I think he just was in a situation where, you know, just just by default, you know, Fox was going to have a lot of a lot of influence and a lot of power. I think when he drafted Trubisky, that was the real point where he said, I'm doing this my way. Because Fox, you know, they, I don't think they were um, of the mindset that they were going to take Trubisky second overall, move up to get him. But I think that's where everything started to change for Ryan Pace. I do think he's done a good job uh, with a lot of these draft picks. Tariq Cohn is a tremendous player. Eddie Jackson had a bad game against the Dolphins, but he's a really good player at safety. Still waiting on Leonard Floyd. You know, the Kevin White pick obviously did not work out. But the offseason, the free agent class with Robinson and Burton and Taylor Gabriel. So I think Ryan Pace has done a good job, a much better job, the last year and a half than, than early in his uh, in his tenure. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, so much of it's going to depend on Trubisky, and if he really ascends to, to being a franchise quarterback, then I think everything else takes care of itself. Trags, I like Trubisky. I, I think there's been a lot of improvement this year. And he's only played five games in this system with Matt Nagy. Right. He makes mistakes, absolutely. But, boy, you cannot deny that the athleticism is there. The talent is there. And slowly I, I feel like that's being that's being developed. So if, if that pick hits Trubisky, then Ryan Pace is going to be good in this town for the next ten years. So you, no job issues. So you watched what um, – Pat Mahomes was able to do Sunday night against the Patriots mm-hmm. secondary, right? So I asked Brian Flores, the um, ipso facto um, um, d- defensive coordinator of the, of the Patriots, what are you going to do? Is is Trubisky a lot like Mahomes? Uh, because Bill you know, Belichick was saying he has a good arm, mobile in the pocket, can move around, uh, and keeps his eyes down the field. Uh you know, certainly we've already seen some great stats from uh, Trubisky. Actually, one of the greatest statistical games in NFL history, the game against the Bucks when he was 19 of 26, 354, and six touchdowns with no picks. Do you think the Bears go into this game thinking we got a chance to kind of replicate what the Chiefs did? Well, here's the thing about Mahomes. Now, I'm a huge Mahomes fan. I mean, how can you not be a fan right. of Patrick Mahomes? Um, I do think that uh, Mahomes walked into a really good situation last year. Alex Smith is a pro's pro. And we now you've seen the reports come out this year. What a big influence Alex Smith was on Patrick Mahomes and how much he helped him. And, you know, Mahomes had the benefit of sitting for 15 games with Andy Reid in an established offense with, you know, a quarterback that knew, knew what he was doing. Uh, so it was a great opportunity for him to learn and grow behind the scenes. Now, Trubisky did not have that luxury. Remember the Bears starting quarterback at the beginning of last year was Mike Glennon. Um, the wow. offense, 
Yeah, that's, that's right. Good. Uh, Dal Loggins is now in Miami, and look, the Dolphins beat the Bears, but uh, I think um, the, you want to compare the Andy Reid scheme to what the Bears ran last year. There, there's no comparison. And Trubisky had to play, as you should have, you know, after after week four. So I just feel that um, Mahomes had a, a lot going for him that in addition to his incredible talent and athleticism and ability helped propel him to the type of season he's had this year. I just think Trubisky's playing a little, a little bit of catch-up. Now, in the end, it might turn out that Mahomes is, uh, you know, light and, you know, just a light years better quarterback than Trubisky. It, it, that is what it is. Um, then that would be obviously when you look back and say, well, if we were taking Mahomes, maybe things would have been different. But um, I still think there is a, a strong belief that they can get Trubisky up to a certain level. I don't think he's going to be a superstar. We've used the Alex Smith comparison a lot in Chicago. If Trubisky can play like Alex Smith played last year for the Chiefs, the Bears are going to go to the playoffs. That's just that's just a reality. So, um, I, you know, I'm a huge Mahomes fan, um, but I just think that Trubisky is, again, was kind of playing from behind based on some of those built-in advantages that Mahomes had last year. Again, but in addition to the great talent that he has, of course. Well, and I'm sure Patriots fans listening to this and listening to you remember what Alex Smith did on uh, the fifth banner raising uh, on opening night 2017 to the Patriots, uh, you know, hung 41 points up on on Bill's defense. And, you know, certainly this is a bit, little bit later in the uh, season because uh, the Patriots defense usually struggles early on. But if if Trubisky can replicate what Alex Smith did against the Patriots, maybe that's the game plan. And obviously um, it was uh, Matt Nagy who was on that chief staff who was able to, you know, help uh, Andy Reid call that game. Oh, yeah. And, and people like to scoff at Alex Smith. I don't understand why. I don't either. Smith had the <laughs> Hasn't had the best year in Washington, but you realize, Trags, I covered one of Alex Smith's first preseason games ever, and that was like in 2005. Like, the guy has been in the league for a long time. This isn't a guy who's, you know, entering the prime of his career. I mean, the fact that he's been able to hang on as long as he had, has, and has put up these types of numbers, I think that's a real testament to Alex Smith. So, you know, listen, if, if Trubisky can be that accurate and, and can make plays with his feet, uh, the, the Bears will take it. Now, look, he still will make mistakes. He had a bad pick in the end zone against Miami. First half, he was not very good against the Dolphins. But what I liked about Trubisky last game is that at halftime, he really got himself right, and he came out on fire. And they did not lose that game because of Mitchell Trubisky. They lost that game because their defense stunk and because they turned the ball over twice in the red zone, and Tariq Cohen had a big fumble, too. Uh, but again, you know, uh, Trubisky is a very polarizing figure in Chicago. There's a big chunk of the fan base that just for whatever reason will not accept him or embrace him. But nine touchdown passes to one interception in the last two games. It's pretty good. Not bad. Jeff Dickerson covering the Bears for ESPN's NFL Nation and co-host of Dickerson and Hood on ESPN Radio every Saturday, 6 to 10 p.m. Everybody, I want to tell you about Calm Balm. It is a revolution in relief. A revolutionary formula ensures that its acting agent is fully absorbed and every box sold helps struggling moms by donating $5 to charity. Calm Balm is now searching for crowdfunding partners. The donations are inexpensive and the rewards, well, they are long-lasting. And now, for a limited time, my listeners can get Calm Balms at a huge discount by going to the website 
www.buybombshelpmoms.com and clicking on the Indiegogo page. Again, go to the site www.buybombshelpmoms.com. Speaking again with Jeff Dickerson covering the Bears for ESPN's NFL Nation. Jeff, I want to go back one more time to Khalil Mack, the deal that actually brought um, the star linebacker to Chicago. The Bears gave up their 2019 and 2020 first-round picks and a future third and sixth rounder. Then they went ahead and said, well, if we're going to invest that kind of draft capital, we might as well make it worth it financially, invest the financial part of it. Six years, $141 million, including $90 million guaranteed. Based on all the stats and all the plays he made, he has made so far, he's worth it, right? I think the Raiders are insane. I don't know what I didn't know what they were thinking when the deal went down, and I still don't understand what they're thinking right now. If you couldn't afford Khalil Mack, then don't give the head coach a hundred million dollar contract. I don't right. know what else to say, Trax. I mean, they're moving to Las Vegas. Um, this guy is a star. He's twenty seven. Uh, best years are still ahead of him. Former NFL Defensive Player of the Year in two thousand sixteen. The Bears make that deal ten times over if they have to. Um, it, it's a deal that really changed. This team. I mean, I don't. They're not three, and they don't have three wins without Khalil Mack. Like he's he's directly impacting victories, and I think they still would have been a better team this year, of course, than they were under Fox. That's that's by default. But adding Khalil Mack made that defense a, a group that really had aspirations of being a top ten group. That's a top ten defense now, and they, you could argue at, at times this year they played like a top five defense where they pressured the quarterback. Didn't happen against the Dolphins, but. Uh, up until that point, uh, they were just all over as far as their pass rush. It was great. So, yes, I, I think he's worth it, and there are zero regrets on the Bears' part. They gave up too much. But, I just, again, I just I laugh when I think about what the Raiders are doing. Uh, how can you give up a guy like that in his prime at a position, pass rusher, that is such a premium position in the NFL? Those guys don't come around too often, and Khalil Mack is a special one. He did not play a single preseason snap for the Raiders, correct? Correct. He held out the whole preseason. Uh, Bears signed him. That is unbelievable. Uh, he had about uh, or so traded for him, and they signed him. And then he had what about four practices? He goes out against Green Bay, and what does he do in the first half? Pick six. Yep. Uh, he he uh, had a couple of sacks. He had a strip a strip sack. He, he recovered the fumble. I mean. You know, he's just doing things that only the the elite of the elite can do on defense. He became, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff. He became the first player in NFL history to record a sack, force fumble, fumble recovery, interception, and touchdown in one half in NFL history. That is just, to me, it's remarkable. He's also, and you obviously know this, he had a stretch where he had a sack and a forced fumble in four straight games. That ended uh, last week in Miami, probably only because he got injured. And he was he was tormenting really good quarterbacks the first couple of weeks. I mean, talking about Aaron Rodgers, you're talking about Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, boy, he uh, he he has been incredible. And the only guy I can liken him to, as far as a pass rusher that I've ever covered, but different. You know, Julius Peppers came with the Bears in 2010. Right. Now he wasn't he wasn't the Julius Peppers that he was in Carolina in his first go around with the Panthers. He was a little bit past that stage of his career. But he was still impressive. What's amazing is they got Mac at 27 years old. <laughs> so you're going to have at least three, four, maybe five years, you know, knock on wood, barring any sort of massive injury here, of him 
playing at this type of level, which is just unheard of that a guy like that would ever be available to be acquired in a trade. So what is what has to happen this weekend for the game to be close? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, the pass rush has to come back. Um, I think if, if they're able to, which is hard to do because Brady's just so incredible at getting the ball out so fast, and he's got that quick twitch mind where he can just, you know, like a computer, he can see when guys are open in a, in a split second. But they can get to him and play some good defense on the back end. Uh, they have a chance. Uh, but I do think a lot of it's going to come down again to Trubisky, uh, the way he protects the football and, and the way that his accuracy is. And if they can continue to make big plays down the field, that's what this team has really done. Look at some of these big throws to Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel. And Tariq Cohn can make so many big plays out of the backfield. If they can get the ball in their hands of their playmakers and they can do some do some damage, it, it could be close. But, you know, I've seen the Bears Patriots now a bunch in my career and uh, typically, uh, it does not end well uh, for for the Bears. So I, I don't know. I probably am going to pick a Patriots win, but I think the Bears, if I if they do those things I mentioned, can at least keep it close. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, and I'm sure you watched the Sunday night game when you have all of those receivers running around free and loose uh, in the secondary. Uh, I'm sure a quarterback is licking their chops, and the receivers are licking their chops. I'm sure the Patriots will play a little bit better uh, in the secondary, but um, I think it could be another track meet like it was Sunday night. But uh, we will certainly uh, be watching very closely. We'll be reading your stuff, Jeff, leading up uh, to the game. I want to thank you very much for joining us. Oh, Trek, my pleasure. My pleasure. Have a great rest of your week and enjoy the game on Sunday. want to thank everyone for downloading today's podcast. want to thank our great guest, Jeff Dickerson, covering the Bears for ESPN's NFL Nation and co-host of Dickerson and Hood on ESPN Radio every Saturday evening, 6 to 10 p.m. Follow him on Twitter at Dickerson ESPN. Of course, we want to thank our great sponsors, Calm Balm and One in 100. For producer Michael Angi, our executive producer, Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.